you can't look past someone who is one good at absolutely everything, no matter what you give them is, you know, crazy fit all year round without, you know, without even doing much training, this dude can basically work a nine to five, do an, do an hour a day and still be fitter than most humans on earth. He would be my number one pick to, to be, you know, number one, number two um, on this coming, this coming format. Welcome to the Barband Podcast, where we talk to the smartest athletes, coaches, and minds from around the world of strength. I'm your host, David Thomas Tao, and this podcast is presented by Barbend.com. Today, I'm talking to multi-time CrossFit Games athlete James Newberry, who finished fifth at the 2019 CrossFit Games. James isn't competing this year after having his qualifier season cut short due to COVID-19 and event cancellations, but he's used his extended offseason to train for power and strength. He's also spent time exploring his passion for surfing and other sports. But a little time away from the typical CrossFit Games grind doesn't make James's insights any less valuable. And as one of the world's fittest men, James gives us his thoughts on who the online format most favors. He also talks about the unexpected differences of competing in person versus online, including the mind games fans might not see from the stands or on their screens. I do want to take a second to give a special shout out to our episode sponsor, Transparent Labs. If you want clean, clearly labeled supplements with ingredients backed by science, Transparent Labs has you covered. Seriously, no hidden ingredients, no proprietary blends, and nothing artificial. That includes their uber-popular bulk pre-workout, with ingredients we love to see for focus and energy, plus vitamin D3, boron, and zinc. All the good stuff, absolutely no fillers. Use code BARBEND at checkout for an extra 10% off. James, welcome back to the BARBEND podcast. It's it's always a pleasure. I, I feel... Some people won't be viewing this podcast. We're kind of doing this this virtually, um, but I have to say, I always get crazy hair envy when we chat. I'm normally I'm the one having the longer, more luscious hair, but but uh, you got me you got me beat today. But that aside, um, you know how you're coming off of a weightlifting meet this past this past weekend. Was that before we dive into the the CrossFit Games this season? Was that your first ever like dedicated weightlift meet? Weightlifting meet? Yeah, yeah, it was. It's um something that I've kind of just you know. Uh, always really wanted to do, but just never kind of, it never popped up right at a good time that I could, you know, build up for one and do one. But I actually didn't realize I was going to be competing, um, like testing my 1RMs at a weightlifting meet when I started doing this eight-week um, weightlifting program. And it just so happened that um, a weightlifting coach that trains at my gym and he coaches at my gym, um, he put up a post and he just said, hey guys, state championships, cutoff date to register is... Um, uh, it's tomorrow, and I was just like, "Well, I'm test. I'm supposed to be testing in a week and a half anyway. Why don't I just sign up and test there instead?" So, kind of, you know, check two boxes. Got to, you know, try and test one RMs, and then also, you know, tick off a weightlifting meet off of something that I've always wanted to do. So, yeah, I just registered, and yeah, we uh, we had a crack. 
when I, whenever I talk to CrossFitters who do a weight, competitive CrossFitters who do a weightlifting meet for the first time, or whenever you look at them, they just look like, like a caged animal because you're just supposed to sit down and rest between attempts. And you're supposed yeah. to be like, you know, where are the 50, <laughs> where are the 50 double unders I'm supposed to yeah. be doing right now or something. Yeah. Did that, did, that <laughs> did that throw you off all the, all the wait times? Uh, not so much because I have been doing basically the last, say last two months, I've really haven't been doing much conditioning. It's uh, like, you know, cardio conditioning. Um, you know, I've done a couple of, um, a couple of criterium races, like on my bike. Um, I've done a few Metcons here and there, but mainly I've just been sprinting and, uh, weightlifting. So, um, I am used to the rest as like, you know, coming from probably the two sports where you do the most rest between, <laughs> between sets is like sprinting and weightlifting. So, it's like there could be like a five minute rest between sets. So I'm kind of getting, I'm kind of getting used to that aspect. Um, although I do try and speed it up a little bit more. Um, but yeah, I probably would have lifted better if I chucked in some double unders in between sets just to, you know, slow me down, slow me down a little bit. I got probably too far ahead of myself trying to do the lifts and, you know, um, you know, overthrew a couple and yeah. And then, you know, just, it didn't quite go to plan, but Hey, you get that. Like it's, that's just life and you, you live and you learn. It's a good experience too, you know. In in a CrossFit setting, you don't know when you might face a, a one rep max, uh, a one rep max test in the snatch or the clean and jerk. So, I mean, reps on the platform are reps on the platform. Being able to perform, and it's one thing to hit a PB in training; it's another thing to hit it when you have a certain time frame. Completely different animal. Totally, totally. No, I agree. We've done a couple of to- a couple of times at competitions at regionals and the games. We've had to go for a heavy single. Um, and one of them was a uh, like a hang a hang snatch, and one of them was a full snatch. Um, and they were you're only given two attempts at those ones, um, and so they were kind of around the same realm. Whereas, oh, and I guess the, also the clean that we did last year, but you know, a snatch and a clean and jerk is obviously a lot more technical than just a clean by itself. So yeah, it is a little bit um, daunting going up there, knowing that hey, you've got three attempts to get a good total, um, and then if you miss one do you try and still bump up or do you stay where you are and then try and bump up on the next one? And it's just like, you have a plan that you kind of, you know, um, you'd be okay with getting your first lift. You'd be, you know, be happy with the second and then you'd be absolutely stoked with the last. That's kind of how I went into it. And yeah, so I, I guess the pressure was on to do it, but I kind of felt great leading in. Like the warm up was fantastic and the, the weight, like I hit 115 in the warm up, which felt really easy um, and then I was like, yep, let's start at 120. I hit it a week before in, in training, just getting prepped for the competition. And it felt like quite easy there too. And yeah, just like didn't go to plan. So I don't know, just, yeah, maybe, maybe nerves or maybe just overthinking it or maybe just like looking at that judge that's sitting right in front of you, just staring right at his forehead, maybe put me off. I don't know. But um, yeah, I think, yeah, if it was to come around again, then um, yeah, I'd be much probably better, like, better prepared, I guess, in terms of the way that it's going to feel and things like that. I probably would hit more reps in the warm warmup. Um, I was probably bumping up by every 10 kilos. I'd probably do the same, but I'd hit more reps at each weight just to really feel that bottom position um, a little bit more and, and maybe get a little bit more tired, um, which would usually sink me into somewhat better positions. We'll get back to that in just a moment. But first, another quick word from our sponsor, Transparent Labs. You know Hofthor Bjornsson? 2018 World's Strongest Man, and one of the strongest human beings in history? Yep, he uses Transparent Labs to fuel his performance. 
Now, not everyone is a six foot nine Icelandic world record holder, and you probably don't eat 8,000 calories a day. Probably. But Transparent Labs has the goods for every strength athlete. Clinically effective doses, nothing artificial, and a label you can actually read. Now let's get back to the conversation. You've mentioned that you're going through a kind of a weightlifting and sprinting cycle right now, and that it seemed to be what you're doing, not a ton of Metcons. And if if we had looked back a year ago, we might not have thought you'd be training like this right now. Uh, or at least, well, to be fair, we couldn't have predicted a lot a year ago, but you're not competing in the CrossFit Games this year, which might come as a shock to a lot of people who might just be familiar with your name, your fantastic top 10 performance last year. For those who might not be super aware of, of why, beyond the fact that it is a global pandemic and a lot has changed, uh, you know, kind of walk us through how your season progressed and, and how you ended up not being in this year's games field. Yeah, so we had a couple of, a couple of hiccups along the way. Um, during the Open last year um, in, uh, in October, um, which would have been the qualifiers through the Open for this year. Um, on week three of five, um, I had a mountain bike accident, um, broke a couple of spinal processes in my back, um, broke a few ribs and punctured a lung. So I had to pull out of the Open, which was the first hurdle. If I'd done well enough there, then I would have qualified through the Open. Um, and then from there... Um, I had to look at sanctioned events to qualify, um, which I really wanted to do anyway, um, even if I did qualify through the Open. Um, the Open has never been a really good, like, strong point for me. Just online competitions have never been something that I've super enjoyed. Like, I'd much prefer a face-to-face competition where you get to throw down next to each other. You know, you can play a bit of mind game stuff. They can People change the way that they approach workouts when someone else is there next to them or, you know, a couple of reps ahead or, you know, right on their tail. So I chose, I looked at a couple of sanctioned events. I did the Gold Coast event. I came second there. Um, uh, the guy that um, pipped me in that event, props to him. He like, he won fair and square and it was, it was a cool event, but yeah, I ended up coming second there by, you know, a few points. So I had to look at another event because I only take the winner of the sanctioned events. Um, so I was looking at another event three weeks later from that, which would have been in um, uh, Egypt. Um, that would have been really cool, the Elfit uh, sanctioned event. Um, and I was really hoping to get there um, and hopefully take a win to qualify for the Games. But right at that point was when the COVID lockdown started happening. And basically a week and a half before I was supposed to fly out, um, everything got locked down. So basically, in a nutshell, there was no more sanctioned events to qualify through. So I think they got through maybe five. I'm just off the top of my head. Maybe five sanctioned events were run between the start of the season and the COVID lockdown. And there was supposed to be, I think, 27 events. So um, a lot of people that were banking on sanctioned events to make it through to the games never got the opportunity to go to those sanctioned events and win and, and get an opportunity to go. So that kind of you know, wrote off me making it back to the games without another sanctioned event being able to be run and, you know, to compete in. So basically from there, I was kind of just looking at, you know, what do I do um, in between now and, you know, next season and, you know, what's coming up and what can I, what can I do to keep me occupied? Um, yeah. So that's kind of how it rolled. And, you know, I kind of used that space in between then when I would have been training for sanctioned events or, you know, traveling for sanctioned events ended up renovating my, my gym here in Adelaide renovated the gym, didn't do a bunch of training through that period. 
Um, and then after that was all done and dusted, I was like, you know what, like I want to um, build on some power and some speed. So looking at all other options that I can do during this off season, just to, you know, get better for next year. And, you know, I feel like I can build aerobic base pretty easily. Um, but building that, um, that power and strength is usually what takes me a little bit longer. So I figured I'd use this time to do that. And if it helps me with other sports as well, um, absolutely fantastic. And if it can also help with a bit of CrossFit too, then, you know, great as well. But as long as it's keeping me happy. Yeah. I was going to say, are you, are you enjoying the style of training? Yeah, look, there's definitely a lot less work on the table. <laughs> normally, normally I'm training for, you know, you know, four, four through at this point in time, four to six hours a day, like we'll be doing a strength, big, long strength piece. And then we'd be doing a couple of Metcons in the morning and then we'd probably do an, an afternoon track session and then we'd be going back and doing more Metcon. So at the moment, my three heaviest focus focuses would be sprint training, uh, like weightlifting and power and surfing. So <laughs> I, I can't complain. Um, and then maybe on the backside of that is like, I might go out for a criterium race every other weekend, um, if it's available or every three weeks. So I may be riding my bike, you know, maybe once a fortnight. So, um, that's been, I dropped that down just a little bit as well. So, um, yeah, that's kind of where I'm at at the moment, but I'm really enjoying it. And then, you know, just in, on top of that, all my accessory stuff that I'm, I'm doing in terms of strength work is basically just bodybuilding stuff. Um, yeah, just. Just working on getting jacked. <laughs> now, correct me if I'm wrong here, but over the past 18 months, you've switched to basically a plant-based diet. Is that correct? Yeah. Yep. So it'll actually be coming up to one year exactly in about two weeks. Oh wow. Okay. Now, how has has that impacted? You know how how you're feeling, and you know you're a year in, so clearly it hasn't been completely detrimental to your performance as as an athlete. Seeing what you're doing, but what was that adjustment period like, and what are some things you've learned along the way as far as your body's nutritional requirements in that dietary framework? Well, something that I learned about myself is I was probably eating too much protein. Um, that's probably the thing I was aiming for around about 220 grams a day, um, and I've cut that down to around about one. 50 up to 170 depending on how heavy the training load is um and i have seen absolutely no drop in weight um I'm, I'm exactly the same weight as i would be um like and i have done in years previous i'm definitely stronger um probably due to you know focusing on the ollie which you know we'd be focusing on ollie anyway but i'm definitely dropping down the amount of cardio i'm doing um uh, and, and in saying that, I'm still running 8Ks on a Sunday morning just as a recovery run. Um, so I am running from time to time, but it's just once a week usually, from, and it's around about just a 40-minute run. Um, so yeah, I, I haven't noticed any dramatic decreases in strength. If anything, I'm stronger. Like I haven't been able to pick up a bar and feel like I could throw a 130-kilo snatch above my head, but recently I've been feeling like that's a possibility. And you know, if you'd asked me that a year ago, I'd have been like, oh, Hell no. <laughs> um, and then also same with clean and jerk. Like I think I would, I think I would be, you know, I think I'm in the ballpark right now for, you know, five to five to 10 kilo PRs. Um, I just need to put it together. Um, so, and I guess in terms of diet, um, I haven't touched anything that's animal based or any animal products um, in 12 months or close to 12 months. And yeah, I feel great. I feel good. I feel, you know, nothing really has, changed it doesn't feel like i've actually changed any type of diet 
or, you know, regular eating program. Like I don't feel like, you know, I don't feel superhuman. I don't feel any worse off. I, I kind of just feel the same. Um, I'm just eating a bit less, less protein, um, having probably the same amount of carbohydrates and fats um, roughly. And if anything, I'm just having a broader range of, of plant food. I made me maybe a little bit more conscious on the amount of colors that I'm putting on, on my plate and the amount of different varieties of plant food I can get, you know, trying to get as many different types of fruits and vegetables, lots of herbs, um, lots of micronutrients all through that and trying to eat as organic as I can. And, you know, I do feel good. Like yesterday, for instance, like I haven't done a ton of running, but uh, Kayla said, I'll oh, come do the class with me in the morning. And um, it's a 3K time trial to start the workout. And I ran a 3K um, in around about, I think it was like 10, 10.45. And I think my best ever when I was a bit of a, more of a lightweight, probably seven kilos lighter, I think I've done like 9.45 before. So I think if I was to knuckle down on some running for like a month, I'd probably be around that ballpark without a ton of effort really. How, how has your, uh, has your cooking, how have your cooking skills developed over the course of the past yeah. year? Yeah, they, they, they've developed a little bit. I'm definitely looking at other ways to make things that I really enjoy. Like I've always, since a little kid, I've loved pancakes. So now I've perfected my recipe without using like eggs and milk and things like that. So I can make a decent pan, a decent protein pancake without using those ingredients. So, you know, it's, uh, it's definitely helping, but I have to say Kayla, um, my girlfriend, she's the, she's the cooking queen. So, um, I would always, if there was an option for me to cook or her to cook, um, and for it to be, you know, uh, put to the test, I'll pick her every day of the week. But you'll stand by your pancakes. Everyone's got to have that one recipe they're proud of. Oh, I definitely can make pancakes better than Kayla for sure. <laughs> but just that's the, that's the one thing I've got. Everything else, like avocado mousse or you know a, a nice bowl of oats, she's got she's got me hands down. Avocado. This already sounds fancier than I was expecting this conversation. This is already higher, <laughs> higher brow than I was expecting us to get. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, yeah, that's uh, one of my staples. Like I've always go to an avocado mousse, usually of an evening, um, or it might be like a tofu, like a tofu, tofu base, um, like uh, silken tofu, uh, creamy mousse like that, like a chocolate mousse. Cool. Well, moving to this year's game season, you know, you're more of a fan and a spectator this year. And, uh, while your training is, is very different, I'm sure you're putting yourself in the shoes of a lot of the athletes approaching stage one. And we're actually doing something a little different on the podcast. Normally we record a couple of weeks ahead this week. We're actually recording this podcast on Monday. It'll come out Thursday, the day before the games launch. So I'm curious as to your thoughts. Who do you think is looking really, really good heading into stage one, which is an online portion of the games? Now, as of this recording, we don't know what the workouts look like yet. We don't even know how many workouts there are, but we do know it's going to be, there are only so many things you can do and the athletes will be doing them all remotely. So who do you think is looking strong for that kind of format? Well, I think going on history, um, you can't look past someone who is one good at absolutely everything, no matter what you give them is, you know, crazy fit all year round without, you know, without even doing much training, this dude can basically work a nine to five, do an, do an hour a day and still be fitter than most humans on earth. Um, and then also in history shows in the open, can't crush the open is Patrick Velma. Like he would be my number one pick to, to be, you know, number one, number two, um, on, this coming this coming format so yeah he'd be he'd be my pick like i always got faith in pat and he always rises to the occasion um he's just freak athlete super fit um has a good head on his shoulders 
knows how to knows how to get wrap his head around a little bit of adversity. If he doesn't do well in something, you know, um, usually due to a usually due to a, a freak accident or you know just a, an unfortunate event, he always seems to just be right up there anyway. So if you were to take away like just a freak accident here and there um, or like a mishap, you know, he's he's right in line within a you know very very close. So yeah, um, I, I'd put my money on Pat. Who do you think might might struggle a little bit? Who might otherwise not struggle if it was kind of an in person normal games format? Well, if it was, you know, so I guess saying um, looking at um, the format and who does well online um, and who does better face to face, you know, someone who I've been training with for a long time um, and you know stay in close contact with, um, you know, that he would definitely more favor a face to face competition absolutely excels at face-to-face and, you know, kind of like me, doesn't really love the online stuff because it's not as broad. Um, you can't do as many things that he would excel in as Brent Fikowski. Um, but, you know, Brent, Brent's like the type of athlete that, you know, he's very, um, he's, he's very smart, super cerebral, looks at every event, but, you know, he is much better in a face-to-face competition. Like he could beat anyone in face-to-face competition. He's shown that before. Um, but, you know, given an online format and not knowing what you're going to get and not being able to see each, everybody else's times and not be able to play those kind of on-the-field on the mind games, you know, it may not favor him as much, but, you know, I still wouldn't put money on him not to do well. Do you know what I mean? Um, it's just a hard, that's a hard one. But, yeah, probably in terms of looking at um, online stuff, yeah, probably, probably Brent is at the disadvantage. But if he can make it through this and, you know, face-to-face, anyone can win. How do you think the Aussies are looking in the field this year? Well, in terms of the online process, um, you know, I think, you know, T is always going to be at that, at that, you know, tipping like uh, the sharp point. Um, she's just so good. She's so well-rounded and, you know, she's shown in the past that she's, you know, leagues, leagues ahead. Um, she's always going to be great. Kara is extremely good at online. Um, you know, uh, I think Khan, Khan's really gearing up for a really um, a, solid, a solid showing as well. Um, Harriet Roberts, she's going to do well. Um, I think all these athletes have potential if they can really just, you know, get their head in the game. They're going to really show. Um, they're really going to show the uh, or, or give the Aussie contingent a really good push and, and show the uh, show and do us. I guess all of us proud. Um, and I know they will. They'll give their best effort regardless. That's you know that's kind of how we all try and carry ourselves. Is always put our best foot forward and, and give a really good effort. But I think you'll probably see. Tia and Kara up at the top there um, in particular, but don't discount the other guys. The other guys are going to put a, their first foot forward and Khan's really good at online stuff too. Like he can really just, you know, pull it out of the bag and just dominate. So yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if you see his name in the top as well. Now, one thing as spectators we don't necessarily see because we're not down on the field, these mind games you're talking about. So I want to talk a little bit about what we might not see in stage one this year. You talk about, that advantage that some athletes have like yourself being in person, you, you know, it could be playing mind games. It could be pacing yourself off of other athletes that might be in in the lanes on either side of you. What are some of the strategies you've used to either get in your opponent's head? uh, Not even your opponent, the, the other athletes on the field to get in their heads. um, And how else, you know, might you pace yourself or, or change your strategy depending on what you're seeing kind of on the field around you in an in-person competition? 
Yeah, totally. So for instance, like um, something that can really get into, a, I guess, another athlete's head is, you know, if you look at the first workout of last year's CrossFit Games, which was the 400-meter run legless rope climb workout into the eight uh, barbell snatches, um, you know, you might have some people that are, you know, leading the way for a couple of rounds. But if you can, you know, be right on their tail and given that format on that big Zeus rig, you've got all these different lanes um, and then people may think they're in front, but they have to run to the very end corner, but you might be right on their tail, but you slip into your lane when they can't see you slip into your lane. So you actually might be, you know, 25 seconds or 20 seconds ahead of them, but they don't quite know. So as soon as you can, you know, if you can play your cards right and you can come off, play a bit of a mind game there and come off and then be in front of them before they get back, they're going to be thinking, what did I just do wrong in my round? How did I, how did I go into that round leading? And now how am I 20 seconds behind? And, you know, that can check an athlete out straight away. They might be hurting pretty bad. They might be at lack, you know, might be a threshold there already. And they might start giving themselves some doubts. And if you can put some doubt into another athlete's mind, you know, that can almost, you know, they might just say to them, you know what, I'm okay with coming second or, you know, this is where I need to be or, you know, or it might just play, play really badly for them and they could, you know, check out completely and, and start to really slow down. It's like, you know, it's too much. Um, and I think that's where the really good athletes um, uh, kind of push through just a little bit further because, you know, a little extra push, you, you know, you might get that time back and, you know, you never know. So they're the types of things that you can do. And, and if you're aware enough to think about those things without distracting you from the task at hand and following the game plan, then yeah, you can definitely suck some other athletes out and, and win some points here and there. And, you know, at the end of the day, every point counts. Um, it goes, or it usually goes down to the wire most years. So um, yeah, that's, that's the type of stuff you can kind of do face to face that you can't do online. Who is, is there an athlete who you, you love playing mental games with? Is there someone you just like love competing against in person? Um, I, I don't particularly have anyone like anyone doesn't, no one comes to mind that much. Um, I kind of just will run basically how I like to start out. I'll run my own race regardless. And then if the opportunity or the scenario is put forth in front of me, and I can see an opportunity to create some havoc there or to play a bit of a game. And, you know, if it means me upping my effort by 10% just to, just to, you know, tap someone on the shoulder and, and let them know that I'm there, not physically, but, you know, <laughs> <laughs> let them know that I'm there um, when they may not have noticed me before, if I was still going at my own pace and I will. Um, and that'll just be whoever's, whoever's in the firing line. If they're there and I've got the opportunity to do it and it's not going to take me off my game plan, then yeah, I'll do it with anyone. So nothing like taking someone's chalk and like using it <laughs> nah. as you're crushing it up or anything like that. Nothing nah, that dramatic. I, nah, nah, nah. I have never done that before. And um, yeah, like if if I've got my if I've got my own chalk there and I've got the ability to use it, and um, yeah, I would. It, it, to be honest, I would probably if I didn't have chalk and someone else's chalk was over there, I probably just would go without chalk. Um, but. You never know. It depends. Um, it really depends on the situation. If it was like a make or break rope climb and, you know, I only barely got up there the last time I would walk over, I'd use their chalk, but I'd make sure I put it back in a, in a convenient place for them to use it. Um, but yeah, I have seen that stuff happen a little bit or I've heard about it. Um, but yeah, it's that, uh, you know, physically, physically, um, 
rearranging something for someone. I, I know it's happened before, but yeah, m- mine would more so just be, you know, um, making someone, you know, potentially doubt, doubt their, doubt their fitness <laughs> is, is where I would like to play the game. But you know, it, it, th- these things rarely pop up. You know, like you rarely have the opportunity to really do that unless you're completely dominating an event and that doesn't happen, you know, for most of us all the time. Um, and then sometimes it backfires on you. You get too caught up in it and, you know, you, you do take your mind off the game and it can really just, you know, uh, put a bullet through your whole game plan and your whole event. So you got to really pick the times quite wisely. And, you know, there may be opportunities present themselves and you might have to say, you know what, this is not the time for me to do it. I do have the opportunity to do it here, but it's not the right time. It's maybe too early in the game. Um, and you just need to be, I think that's where, um, you know, maturity and competing sort of come into it. And you might have a really, really green athlete that comes into it and he can just get away with it the whole competition and then just put on an absolute show um, and dominate in that, in that respect. And, you know, all the cards kind of fall his way, um, but then come back the next year, try it again, and then, you know, just blow up in his face and then they end up coming, you know, in the final 10%. So um, you just have to be wise in when you, when you take those opportunities. Do you have any predictions for workouts or types of workouts we might see in, in stage one of the games this year? Um, I think it'll be, I think it'll just be really open, open orientated, but heavier. I, I think that's how you'll probably find the format. It'll be very open-esque. Um, and then, and then obviously once they get to whoever makes it through to the next stage, they'll start to see some, um, some really dramatic changes um, in terms of the way the workouts are structured. But this will have to be, you'll have to look at the parameters that you can, you can judge something fairly. You can make um, the same no matter where you are. Um, so, you know, if you, look at the, like if you look at the last eight years of the Open, um, you're going to have to, they've obviously refined that and refined it and made it better and tried to make it as exciting as possible um, without making it uh, too difficult to judge and without making it um, uh, too difficult to replicate no matter where you are in the world. So I think they'll have to keep along those types of parameters. So it'll be probably very similar to the 20, uh, 2019 Open, I guess, or the 2020 Open that was in 2019. Um, so to be similar to that, I would say, um, they may try and, you know, push the, push the envelope a little bit more in terms of, um, in terms of different types of movements. But, um, at the end of the day, they're going to have to keep it within a a particular, um, uh, framework. Yeah. Do you think there's going to be, well, I was actually on on the phone with someone earlier. We were trying to predict what the max lift was going to be. And, and, you know, there are those open workouts where you do, a, you do a Metcon, you have a break and you attempt a max clean and jerk or max snatch or even vice versa. You go from the max attempt into, into some kind of Metcon. Um, my guess this year, and I hope that they don't release this workout before we publish this podcast Thursday morning. My guess is a max snatch after some sort of Metcon. What, do you have any, any guesses there as far as like a, a big strength element? Yeah, I, I think they might even go to something like they did at a regionals. I think it was the 2013 regionals. They might do a, a max 2RM overhead squat from the floor. Oh, I like that a lot. That is, uh, that's mm. pretty, okay. I hadn't even thought about yeah. that. Was that, was that, that was the one where the bar had to start at, you could start the bar at like 185, 225 or 275 or something like that. Correct. Exactly. That's right. And you had to pick, you had to pick where you wanted to start. And then once you picked, you were locked in, you couldn't go down from there. So people were either risking it, um, going heavy early, or 
you know, um, starting a conservative. So that might be an option that they put in and, you know, pick the bar up from the ground, front racket, back racket, chuck it up overhead and make sure you hit the double. Uh, I think it was, that, was it a triple or was it a double? It I, think it was, a triple. I think it was a triple. I was actually, full yeah. disclosure, I was covering the CrossFit games for CrossFit at, at regionals that. So I should yeah. know. So I should know. Like, Yeah, no, I think um, it was. I did do that event and I think it was a triple. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that was that. So maybe something like that might might come into play, um, whether it be the overhead squat or something similar to that type of format for a different lift. I remember. I think there was a. a, a I was covering the Northeast Regional back when it been back when that was a thing, and there was a guy in the Northeast who did really well on that workout. It was some some kind of washed up former weightlifter. His name was Matt, and he ended up being pretty good at CrossFit later on. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> but I think that was the first time I ever talked to Matt Fraser. I was like, yeah. He he won that workout and I was writing up the the report for the games. I was like, wow, like you're pretty good at overhead squats. And he was like, Yeah, I was an international level weightlifter for this many years. Like, this is the best yeah. of it you could have given me. Yeah, yeah, exactly. No, I do remember that. I remember seeing some footage. And that was the same year that I'm pretty sure uh we did um uh what's uh, Jackie? We did Jackie that year too. That was yeah. one of the first events. Yeah. I remember yeah. seeing some footage of that. I think that might have been the, the kickoff event. I think that might have been like the very first event of regionals yep. that year yep yep I, I remember i think i even remember where i placed in that i think i was either i think i was eighth i'm pretty sure i was eighth in that workout i'll have to look back at the at the records but i think i was eighth. i remember there were a lot of pull-ups that year because you had jackie and then there were pull-ups in one or two other workouts and then there was also one that had um axle bar shoulder to overhead and then you had to front rack lunge it that was the line career. That was a horrific event. I do remember that. Brent Fikowski crushed that event, by the way. I remember that. And he came over and started cheering me on to get to the end. And I couldn't believe how hard the front rack lunge was to finish. So, yes, I do remember that vividly. I remember the, I remember the pain of doing that, <laughs> doing that part of the workout. Well, two, two things. One, I, I forget. Brent was living in Australia at the time. Yep. So that's the, I was like, because you're not, you're not training together together now, a few couple oceans in between. And also it made for great photos because everyone had just, as they were crossing the finish line with the axle bar in the front rack, which is just the most uncomfortable thing in the world. Yep. People were like crossing, they were trying to do like the bodybuilder front squat, like whatever. Some people like yep. were, looked like they were reverse curling it. Oh, just the looks of pain as people were lunging <laughs> that. Just, just yeah, great, that, great photos. Yeah, that was horrific. So I'm pretty sure you went, before you went into that, lunge it was 30 shoulder to overhead and i remember doing that workout and i love shoulder to overhead and i remember doing that workout in my gym prior to going to the event and i think i did it i set a 20 and a set of 10 and then i got to the event and i did like four reps and i was like why is this so heavy <laughs> and i was like and i ended up doing like sets of like threes and fives i think it was just like a whole different ball game I, like that was i was really fresh back then and you know i probably went way too hard in things prior to that so um, yeah, it was, yeah, it was, fun. that was fun year. That was a good learning year. Like I came off a really good year in 2012, got into 2013, thought I was going to crush it. Absolutely did not crush it. Um, and then, yeah, then you, you, you pick it back up and you figure out how do you, how do you make sure that you're going to be prepared for the next time. That year for me as like a fan and someone working on the media side, it felt like a bit of a transition point to where yep. you started to see this, this upper tier of athletes and the athletes who were often training more full-time. Now, that's not to say that everyone, every top-level athlete, some of them have jobs. Brent is an example of someone who worked full-time as an accountant until like a year or two ago in addition to being a games athlete. But that was the year where you started seeing athletes who were really training close to full-time kind of start separating themselves from the pack, I feel. 
Exactly, exactly. So at the end of that year, um, then I decided to take the training a little bit more seriously and I found a coach. Um, before that, I was just doing my own programming. Um, and yeah, the volume doubled at least. Um, it was, yeah, a real shock to the system. Um, and the weights were heavier than I would have programmed for myself. The Metcons were harder. They were longer. The workout time was longer. And then that's what really made a big difference for 2014. So, yeah, that's what it came down to. If you wanted to make it, you had to kind of up the ante. And instead of training, you know, just, you know, kind of once per day um, or twice per day, like one, one mini session and then another mini session in the afternoon, it was like one big session and then another fairly large session in the afternoon as well. Um, so that's when it kind of the, the game changed a little bit more. It's, it's, it's funny to, it's funny to think back to that and Hey, some of those names are still very familiar and we're, we're talking about heading into this weekend. So, uh, kind of cool to see James. I, I super appreciate your time. I super appreciate your perspective as a multi-time games athlete and, uh, you know, someone who's, if any games athletes are listening to this the day before, take James's advice when it comes to how to approach these workouts, please. He knows what he's talking about, but James, where's the best way for people to keep up to date with your training and also the programming that you put out. Cool. Yeah. So you can follow me on, it's literally just my name, James Newbury. Um, and then I also program for ultra athlete, ultra dot athlete. Um, and that's basically just a big broad range of different sports. Um, all things that I really enjoy doing, um, dabble in throughout the year, even when I'm training for CrossFit, um, you know, it could be triathlon or a bit of physique stuff or a bit of uh, Olympic weightlifting. So you can pretty much find everything there. Do you have surfing specific programs? I don't have surfing uh, specific programs, but I would like to start putting out a bit of breath work for, for surfing. Um, that's, that's something that I would really like to do um, just to get people feeling a little bit more comfortable in, in bigger surf and being held under for, you know, a little while longer. It just keeps people, you know, for one, it helps them be safe in the water. Um, it also uh, gives people a little bit more peace of mind when you see a really dark, dark, ominous, cloud approaching you from the horizon and you know that you're about to get rolled for about 10 or 15 seconds so you know how to control yourself how to be okay in those situations how to just you know go with the flow and and uh, find calmness in in a in a tumble in, in a tumble dryer of water <laughs> james thank you so much for your time i learned something every time we talk i learned something about crossfit but most importantly i learned like 10 things about the other parts of your life so i always appreciate you sharing thanks for coming on thanks very much 